is the Andres Segovia Show. Welcome to the Andres Segovia Show, everyone. I am Andres Segovia. In this episode, I'll be t- explaining to you the differences in the different types of buyer's agreements that you can run into when you finally venture out to buy your own property. And if you bought a property before, you might be... You might need to be aware of some changes that have come along the way if it's been a while since you purchased because these documents do change from time to time. Um, but of course, that's something that you'll learn more as you sit down with your agent as they go over the documents with you. But before I get started here, I do not have any sponsors to the program, but I have friends that are small business owners. And I wanted to give a shout out in this episode to my friends over at Buen Cacao. Uh, I've known them for a long time, particularly Jessica, uh, the other half of the duo that works here because we basically grew up together and I never knew how passionate she was about chocolates until they officially opened a chocolate shop. I'm like, wow, I didn't know you were that passionate about it. But they're so passionate about the purity of the chocolate that this is the place where if they're saying they're using 80% chocolate, they're using 80% the dark chocolate cacao. So this is a legit place, organic. They use no more than, than uh, if they're saying there's a couple of ingredients there, that's probably the chocolate and probably organic cane sugar. They do not like any processed things. They don't add any processed things. They make everything in-house. It's pretty awesome. They don't use any soil. I think it's soil lichitin. Um, they don't use dairy and they don't use gluten. Unless otherwise specified, I'm sure. But they don't use that. They just use pure chocolate. So I recommend you check them out. Their website is elbuencacao.com. And they also ship. So if you're not uh, local to the area, support small businesses by going to their website because they most likely ship to you. And believe me, you want to get in on some of that chocolate before they sell out because they do sell out regularly. But check it out. Anyway, that's that with that. Let's go over talk about the buyer's agreement. The buyer's agreement. Most people are concerned that they have to fill out some documents when they go about their transactions uh there's the i know the concern am i signing away my rights the thing about these documents isn't to just protect one party it's also to protect you and that's the whole purpose of the buyer's agreement the buyer's agreement is actually a compilation of several documents in one one of them is disclosing the agency in other words making the announcement that you are going to buy and you're going to be represented by so and so And in those documents, so-and-so is also telling you that by virtue of their business, they also deal with other sellers and buyers, but they don't want to step on any toes. They want to lay down the ground rules about what you can expect from their side on what they should do as their fiduciary duty and good faith duty to you as their client. And also if they might be dealing with sellers. So that's where this is all stipulated. And also what you as a buyer should be expecting to do in your involvement in the transaction, because this is, as it's being established, a relationship. And that's what's called the buyer's agreement, because you're making an agreement as a buyer to acquire property through that brokerage. And even though you're dealing with possibly an agent, there's a broker behind them that supervises everything. And technically you're dealing with that broker, but because the broker tends to be the one or two people, uh, they that's why they have other agents to go about handling multiple uh, clients so that's the that's the clarification there if some people wonder is like why do they need to get an extra signature that's because the one that's responsible for everything needs to make sure they're signing off on this because they're supervising the entire transaction when it comes to the buyer's agreement i mentioned earlier that there are three versions of them and they're on their face they're all basically the same with one major difference so let's start with the most common one because these are the three. The first one is the buyer's representation agreement, exclusive. Then there's 
the non-exclusive. And then there's the non-exclusive and not for compensation. That's the third one. Let's take the first one. The buyer's representation agreement. This one basically means that when you're signing this document that you're agreeing to work with, let's use myself as an example, right? You're agreeing to work with yours truly. And by being an exclusive individual with me, you're telling me already that Andres, I'm working with you and you alone. So that's the promise you're making to me. And that's why we're signing this document. And most likely, almost everybody that I know only uses this document, but I'll still explain the other two. So what this means is that you're agreeing to work with me, but you have other friends in real estate. What if they find a house for you? Is like, hey, so-and-so, look, I found a house that's exactly the one you're looking for. It's like, oh, all right, I'm going to sign up with that one. Um, if you go about consummating a transaction with that other agent after you fill this one out, I am entitled to that commission because you agreed to work with me. That's what it means to be exclusive, that you're working with me and me alone. And I am entitled to a cut or all of the commission should you go behind my back and go with another agent. That's why this is important to be understood that when you're sitting down and in this case, if there's no, if there, you don't find an agent that's willing to sign what is the next one I'll go over with you, the non-exclusive, that means expect to be dealing with this. So be careful when you have too many people chiming in about what you should do because you're already establishing a relationship. That's why, yes, you are interviewing with some agents. Some agents are pretty pushy. And keep in mind that those that only rely on this for their for their income, it's it's a big deal to them because it's an investment because the clock starts when you guys sign something. And in the agreement, you as a buyer are specifying, okay, I'm agreeing to exclusively work with you for a set period amount of time. And you also describe what you're looking for as option one or option two of the details you're looking for in a property. What location, how many bedrooms, bathrooms, does it need to have a yard or not a yard? Do you prefer a condo, a townhouse, or a house in the suburbs, in the, suburb, in, in the urban areas? You pick, you specify that, and it all goes into this agreement. And then you also talk about compensation. So that's the, the key point here, that the compensation part is, well, first off, you never pay the agent up front. And if you are going to reach some kind of agreement where you're paying up front, it has to be written and signed off by the broker. Okay. It's not just something that can be done willy nilly. Never ever pay an agent up front if they ask for a deposit. No such thing. Unless it's the escrow deposit that you are directly sending to escrow. Okay. But other than that, there are no monies exchanged with the agent for the agent. Keep that in mind. They get paid after the transaction is consummated and is sent over to the escrow, which sends it over to the brokerage, which then the brokerage disperses to the responsible parties. Nothing ever goes direct to the agent like that, okay? Keep that in mind. Avoid fraud. If you see it, please report it to the, the Bureau or Department of Real Estate. They change their name quite often, so depending on when you're watching this, just know that there's a government agency that has your interests at heart, for which is why I, I care so much about how hard it was for me to get my license because I want to maintain it. And we do have a, a some, some kind of government officiating agency that overviews and audits what we do. And we have to make it sure we do it right and accordingly. So that's something to keep in mind. One of the confusions though, because even in this document it can be a little confusing where it says, how much is the agreed compensation that the buyer pays the agent? Technically, when it comes to a deal, the seller is the one setting that up. So the seller already agrees with the agent how much is being paid out. So that's already established. Like, what's your cut of the commission? The commission is basically set by the seller. 
And that's where we have to annotate that. Okay, but that's the general principle of the buyer's representation agreement, which is equal across all three of them in terms of the guidelines, what you're supposed to do, what I'm supposed to do. You can mention and uh, uh, specify here that if you're, uh, if the agent you work with, if they have other agents in the office that might have listings that you're interested in, um, you can tell them, hey, look, I want to work with just your office, so let's just keep it all in here, and that's fine. You you have the power to do that. You also have the power to say, I don't want any listings held by your office. You can do that. And then you can also go a step further, and there's something called dual agency, where this, where this your agent can sometimes be representing um, the seller. And that tends to happen, like, for example, when we were able to do them, because we can't do it as of this recording, open houses. And by the way, I'm speaking about California mostly, okay? So this is uh, the documents that I'm, I'm going over and reviewing are the color, the ones provided by the California Association of Realtors. So this is more local news, if you will. Um, but when we were able to do open houses, uh, te technically, whoever's doing the open house, especially the first weekend, tends to be the listing agent. So when you show up and you don't have an agent and you want to work and want, you like the house, you want to buy it, you're probably going to sign up with that agent to acquire the property. So that's establishing a dual agency where the the agent is representing both the seller and now you. And there are ground rules that are explained as to the responsibilities of the agent serving both parties. Now, that could be beneficial or if you have concerns about that, you also have the power to say, I don't want to deal with anyone that you're representing from the seller's side. I don't want to see any of your listings. I only want you to represent me as the buyer's side. So in other words, nothing from your office, nothing from you. Let's move on. You can do that. So that's why this thing, you shouldn't be afraid of it. Because before, a lot of agents wouldn't do this one. And they should. So it's for your protection. And also the agency. Because you want to know what the ground rules are. You want to know what the guidelines are for the transaction. Okay? All right, perfect. Now that I explained down, because this is the lengthiest one, the next one over is a non-exclusive. So everything else remains the same except this part. This is the part that's not really used. Unless, and I'll explain a scenario where it could be, non-exclusive. What this means is you're signing with the agent and you're telling the agent, I want a non-exclusive agreement for the buyer's representation. The agent's already put on notice. You're working with other agents too? Quite possibly. You probably filled out, if you know what this is, you probably filled out one or two or 10. I can see this happening, um, some commercial listings, but mostly with high profile buyers. Because when you have a high profile buyer, then the agent's gonna be competing hard for that business. And to put wherewithal, it's like, you're not the only one finding a property for me. Let's see who finds it first. Now you're establishing up front. It's like, yeah, I'm, I, I can work with other agents too, or I am working with ag other agents too. I'm just giving you a shot to get it for me first. So it's basically a horse race between agents fighting for your business. This is not utilized for the average buyer. Not that I've seen. I've never seen any agent use this for the average buyer. But for high profile buyers, this would not be uh, rare. This would quite honestly be something competitive from the agent side where it's like, oh, oh let, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me win over your business. So that's basically the difference between this one and the exclusive that the agent you're signing with is not the only one representing you, which then leads over to this one. This one's the interesting one because it's, it's not exclusive and also not for compensation. So everything else remaining equal from the non-exclusive, but now this agent's not even getting paid. 
What? How, how does that even make sense? It is possible, especially with those that flex this, they would know. And that's probably like more um, between very, very good friends or mostly family, as I'm speaking from experience here. But yeah, this is something that does exist. So those are the three that you can expect to sign, depending on where you're coming from. But if you are a first-time buyer and you're dealing with an agent, whether it's a friend or someone you don't know or someone you saw on a billboard or whatever, this is the most likely nine times out of 10, most likely the document that you'll be filling out where you're dealing exclusively with that agent. But do not fear this document. Read it over, read it with your agent. Now, of course, we can't sit down and do it together, but you can still do it over a video call. But take the time to understand what, you, what you're what you reading. And if you have questions, ask your agent, what does this part mean? But mostly it's this. It's looking after your own interest. That's why there's called legal documents. It's not just representing one side, okay? So if you have any other questions or you feel that you're ready to dive into this, or depending on where we are in the timeline, uh, if you're trying to recover from, from the, the finances you were hit hard by COVID, or you have recovered somewhat and you're looking to see, hey, can I probably explore my options and trying to get back into trying to acquire property? It's never too late. And if you think it's too early, it doesn't matter. You wanna get the guidance on the steps to take for that next step. And I wanna be there along for the ride to point you in the right direction. So you're welcome to contact me. Here's my license number, my contact information that you can reach me over. And that's it for this episode of the Andres Segovia Show and this Real Estate 101 class about what you can expect from the buyer's agreement or the buyer representation agreement. Thank you so much for watching. Like, share, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you never miss a notification. Subscribe to the podcast to make sure you're also getting the audio version of it whenever they come by. And I'll see you on the next one.